Everybody goes to John chapter 1. It's not in 1. It's in chapter 3. And verse 1 through to verse 15. And we're continuing a series, so if, you, if you're not with us, I haven't, you missed out the first few. It's online, it's on the YouTube channel, it's, uh, it's on our page, you can find us over there. And we've looked in chapter 1 and chapter 2 at the first sign that Jesus did in, the, in Cana of Galilee. He, had, uh, he turned water into wine and we, we talked about how he reinforced the, the faith of his disciples. We saw further revelation of how Jesus went and cleared the temple of uh, unwarranted use, wrongful use. And we saw who Jesus was in that. And today in chapter 3, where John's account features a very interesting character. His name is Nicodemus. His name is Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee, not Farsi, Pharisee. He was a Pharisee and a Pharisee who believed in Jesus. So let me tell you what a Pharisee was in just a bit. But he was a Pharisee who believed in Jesus. And what we're learning, and if you miss out on everything else, if you tune out at this point, this is what you don't want to forget. What we're learning is that whenever Jesus finds somebody, and whatever he finds that person at, wherever, whatever place in that journey he finds that person at, he takes that person to the next level. He moves that person to the next level. What we're finding about Jesus is, he always encourages faith in the ones who are following him. Which means, whatever he does, he does primarily for those who are following him. Did you get that? He does primarily, he's talking to the Pharisees, he's talking to the world, he's talking to the people, he's talking to the crowds. But you've got this band of believers who are standing there, whose faith is getting more and more confirmed, more and more confirmed. How do I know? Well, later he says, they were with him. They were with him. They remembered what he said, and they believed. They saw what it was that was true. They had been with him. They had heard him. You know what? It, it goes on like that. It goes on like that. So Jesus revealed himself and did things for them that would strengthen and affirm their faith. He does that for you and me as well. Every day in our life, Jesus being real, Jesus being uh, actual, Jesus being living, strengthens the faith of those who follow him. Why? Because he doesn't want you to live in doubt. He doesn't want you to guess your way through life. He doesn't want you to guess your way through circumstances. He wants you to know for sure. He, did the, he does this for you and for me. And then when you ask, what am I supposed to do in life? The very same thing. He expects the same thing for us in our ministry. We meet people, we find out where they're at, and we help them one step forward. We meet people, we find out where they're at, we help them one step forward. Wherever they're at in their faith journey, we move them one step forward. Are you ready for this? We're going to look at John chapter 3, verse 1 to 15. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. Can you see it? Is that nice and blue? <laughs> what? We don't have it? Okay, you just want to listen and imagine. You want to shut that off or you just want to look at blue? <laughs> Alright, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that unless God is with it. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
that which is born of flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't marvel that I'm saying you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its voice, you hear its sound, but you do not know where it's coming from, you don't know where it went. It went. So it is with everyone who's born of the spirit. Nicodemus then said to him, How can these things be? Jesus said, Are you? Are you a teacher of Israel and you still don't understand, you don't know these things? Truly I say to you, we speak of what we don't know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you don't understand, you don't believe, how can I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses was lifted up the serpent, uh, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. If you didn't get that, don't worry. I'm going to hammer it through all the way. Okay? Don't worry if you didn't get that. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. And a Pharisee is from the Jewish sect, and they are a, he's a teacher of the law. A teacher of the law. He understands the law. He teaches the law. And he went and met with Jesus secretly. He went and met with Jesus secretly. He says he came to him by night. His faith was still not strong enough to come out openly about his trust in Christ. He was afraid of his peers. And he wasn't ready to lose what religion had given him in pride and position. Did you hear me? you hear it? Sometimes our faith is just not strong enough to come out openly and say, I'm a follower. I, I believe. And sometimes, what we think we are, because our religion and our faith is so tied into our identity, we're unable to let go of that in order to even embrace the truth when it faces us. He comes to him and he says, Rabbi. That tells more about Jesus than anything else. Rabbi. Because you've got a Teacher of the law, recognizing a teacher of the law. A teacher of the law, Pharisee, recognizing a teacher of the law. The teacher of the law had meant the keeper of the law. He recognized that what Jesus was teaching was from God. He says, no one can do these signs unless God was with him. No one can do these signs unless God was with him. By the way, Jesus' pitch is right this. It's just this. It's exactly what he got. He's saying, Jesus is saying, I'm a child, I'm a son of Joseph, born in the manger, son of a carpenter. As you look at me, I'm not able, I, it's not able, you're not able to swallow the fact that I am what I'm claiming to be. Well, if you're struggling with that, then look at the things I do, look at the work of my hand, look at the ministry, and believe. So, beginning has got that. He says, no one can do these signs unless God is with him. See, God wants you and me to do the same thing. You and I think of ourselves as not qualified to really witness or to teach or to tell anybody else about God. But what God wants us to do is not protect ourselves, but protect God's work in our life. Protect God's power in our life. As God works through you and works for you and works around you, you begin to point to the works of God and say, I believe what I believe and you believe what I'm telling you because what you see in my life. That's why believers should always open themselves up to let God work in, work in their lives. Christ's prerequisite, Christ's prerequisite to Nicodemus in moving him forward is that you must be born again. He says you must be born again. So he, he recognizes him as a follower of Christ. He's come to meet him in the night. He knows everything about the law. And he takes him to the next level. He says, Nicodemus, there's nothing I can teach you that you don't already know. 
So this one thing I can tell you is, you must be born again. What's so significant about that? Let me tell you. The Pharisaical people basically got started with a group of people that said they wanted the kingdom of God. They wanted God's kingdom to come because the, the, the prophecy said that if you live right, if God's people lived right and they pleased Him, it would hasten the kingdom of God. It would hasten the coming of the kingdom of God. So these guys got together. They said, this is how it's going to be. We're going to make sure everybody uh, follows the scriptures, follows the We're going to bind it on our wrists, bind it on our heads. We're going to write it everywhere. We're going to uh, and put stringent laws and ensure that our nation pleases God. Why? So that the kingdom of God would come. So that God's kingdom would come. The Messiah would come and bring about the kingdom of God. Are you getting me? This is genuine desire to see the kingdom of God come. Later on, Pharisees became hypocritical, they became legalistic, yeah, 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 we know all that. But, to a Pharisee who's truly seeking the truth, risking in the night to come and meet with Jesus, Jesus gives him the truth right there, takes him the next step, he says, you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. You must be born again. Let me make a note here. Jesus isn't telling Nicodemus that this is what Nicodemus must do. He's telling Nicodemus that this is what must happen before you can get into the kingdom of God. Did you get that? Did you get that? He's not saying that people need to conform themselves. He's not saying that people need to do that themselves. He's not giving somebody something to do in order to get into the kingdom. He's saying that is the condition that one has to be born again in order to get into the kingdom. If I'm confused a little bit, good, because this is where the explanation comes in. You must be born again. Here's what Jesus explains as the reason for the need and how it must happen. How it must happen. Nicodemus says, how can a man be born when he is old? Smart guy. Smart guy. How can a man be born when he is old? And Jesus' point is simply this. It's not rebirth. It's new birth. It's not rebirth. It's new birth. God is not asking you to be born again and be reborn in the same fashion as where you are. Not to go into your mother's womb or anything like that. But new birth. That's God's requirement. God's requirement is that you are in fellowship with him. I'm going to explain this to you so that you can explain it to somebody else. I'm going to explain it to you so that you can explain it to somebody else. God wants you to be in fellowship with Him. He wants you to be okay with Him. He wants you to be in a right standing with Him. Are you with me so far? Yes. In order to do that, God who is spirit, you need to be a spirit, spiritually alive. You need to be able to relate to God. But what happened is, the wages of sin is death. So when you sinned, when we sinned, when all of us sinned, we died spiritually. When we die spiritually, we are now incapable of relating to God. So forget about reconciliation, we cannot relate to God because we are spiritually dead. Think with me, because you are going to explain it to somebody this week. So God is spirit and God wants to have a relationship with us. But we are just purely fleshly, we are not spiritual because we are spiritually dead. We are dead to God. What caused this death? Well, the wages of sin. Sin caused the separation. As we are separated from God, it is required now that we be brought back to life. 
So though we died spiritually, God is saying you need to be born again. You need to be born again in God's family by the Spirit in order to be brought about in a relationship with God. So now we need to be born again spiritually to have a new life, to have new nature, to have new name, to have a new family. So he says to, uh, uh, to Nicodemus in verse 7, don't marvel, don't marvel. The wind blows and you don't see it, but you see the effects. You see the effects. Now why is he giving this analogy? He's saying the wind blows coming from that way and going that way. How do you know? You didn't see it. You didn't see the wind coming and you didn't see the wind going, but you know that it did. How do you know? Because you saw the effects of it. It's the same way with the Holy Spirit. So you're wondering, how does a spirit, how does a person come back to life spiritually? How is this new birth to occur? And the answer Jesus gives is, you don't have to worry about that. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is what does that. Interestingly, the word for wind and the word for spirit in the Greek is the same. Pneuma. It's the same word. And it's, it's a beautiful picture. What's he trying to say? Listen carefully. No matter what faith background you come from, listen very carefully. He's saying that in order to be in a relationship with God, in order to enter into heaven, the kingdom of God, it's not what you do. It's what God will do for you. The act of bringing you back to life spiritually so that you can enter into a relationship with God is an act of the Holy Spirit that God does. You don't do it. But unless that happens, you can't enter the kingdom of God. Are you with me? So Nicodemus is sitting there, scratching his head, thinking, good, okay. So the Spirit of God does something, and as he moves, I'm brought to life. But what causes him to do that for me? What brings about God's gracious act? of new birth for me. Jesus answers, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, that which is born of spirit is spirit. Then he explains, can I explain that to you? You have two baptisms. You have the water baptism and you have the spirit baptism. These two things. The water baptism is a water Immersion, where you go into the water like Jesus went into the grave and you come out of the water declaring that you are identified with the Lord Jesus Christ. You are identified with Christ. Now when you do that, you are basically saying, I repent of my sin, I acknowledge that I have sinned, I acknowledge that Jesus Christ died for my sin, I acknowledge that Jesus paid for my sin, I'm going down to my death, no more Jeremy Dawson, no more me, now I'm going to live for Jesus. And you come out of the water acknowledging him as Lord and Savior, and you identify with him. To be born of water is to be, to be repentant. To be born of water is to be born into a new faith, into a new relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It is about belief. It is about acknowledging Christ as Lord and Savior. So when you take that repentance, when you take that, that, that brokenness and that willingness to identify with Christ and you acknowledge who Jesus is, when you do that, then the Holy Spirit takes care of the baptism part. Are you with me? The Holy Spirit then swoops through you and brings about what we call the new birth. You are brought back to life. The Bible calls it regeneration. 
regenerate you. So you do what you have to do, that is repent, and God does what he has to do, that is bring you back to life. Repent and revive. You do what you have to do, and that is repent, and God does what he has to do, and that is revive. The funny thing is that God has done what he has to do long before you can do what you should do. That's grace. When I forgive you before you say sorry to me, that's grace. When I love you before you love me, that's grace. Why would he do that? Why would God do that? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. So he says, flesh is flesh. You're born in the flesh, that's great. You're Mr. Sood, you're Mr. Uh, Yadav, you're Mr. Uh, Singh, you're Mr. Whatever. That's fine. You are born of your father and mother. But you need to be born of God in order to enter the kingdom of God. You must be born again. It's not a criteria, it's a condition. So you can't go on and say, okay, I'm going to be born again now. What do I have to do? No, no. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. What am I saying to you? The vast number of you are well, well positioned, well footed in the faith. So what am I saying to you? I'm saying you don't get to decide who's going to believe or not going to believe. You don't get to decide which way the wind blows. God will bring people. God's will will blow. God's spirit will change. And God will save. He will save. As Jesus said, when the Son of Man is lifted up, people will come to him. He will draw all the men unto him. So he turns to the graves as you person don't get it. Being born again is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's something God does for you. It's not something you do to, for God to get to heaven. God does it for you. It's completely the work of God. Religion says you do the work. Jesus says, I've done the work. But it is in response to the witness of Christ that the Spirit of God goes to work. When you repent of your sin and when you get right with God, that's when the Spirit of God goes to work. When we trust Christ for who He says He is and what He says about us, the Holy Spirit gives us new life. How does this work? Let's close with this. Jesus says, you are a word and you don't understand this. I can't explain it to you. The only way you're going to get this is if you listen to somebody who's come from heaven. Because you're a word and you're, I'm trying to explain heavenly realities to you. But the only way you're going to understand heavenly realities is if you hear it from someone who's come from heaven and you believe the person who's come from heaven. So two things you have to believe. One is that he has come from heaven. Did you get that? Did you get that? Did you get that? One is that you have to believe that he has come from heaven. And number two, you have to believe that he's speaking the words of the one who is in heaven. Got it? That was Jesus' pitch all along. If you believe in me and the one who sent me, believe that I have come from him, I and my father are one. He went on and on and on. That was his pitch. That was his pitch. You are of the earth. You need to listen to someone who's come down from heaven and that you accept it by faith. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent. What is that all about? What's that all about? Well, there was a plague and there were serpents that were sent out as a plague to kill the people. But there was an option. When they looked up at the serpent that was put on the, on the, on the cross there, that was put on the stick over there, because that was what was killing them. That sin which was killing them was put on the cross. When they looked up at it, they were saved. They were saved. So like that, like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, the Son of Man is going to be lifted up with the thing that kills you, your sin, is going to be placed on him. And as you look at him, 
me who saved you. He who saved It's right here. So the Son of Man must be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. May have eternal life. Jesus is saying two things. In order to enter the kingdom of God, you must be born again. The second thing he's saying is in order to be born again, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Not right now, but when I'm up on the cross. Look at me and put your faith in me. And you will have eternal life. I'm guaranteeing you'll walk into heaven based on what I'm going to do for you, is what Jesus was telling him things. That's what Jesus was telling him. The mystery is how earthly carnal people are brought back to life to give them eternal life. To give them eternal life. It's complex but really simple. Here's the deal. You and I often wonder what should our ministry be? Right now you're thinking, listening to a gospel message and you're thinking that's great news, I already know that, what should I do about it? Here's what you need to do about it. This is what Jesus did for the three years of his ministry. He met somebody, he met Sangeeta. Sangeeta was struggling with whether to accept or acknowledge Christ as a savior or not and he took her to the next level. He met Joshua who was struggling with all the difficult times he's gone through in his life and all the problems and the crises that had one thing after another kept falling apart, falling apart and he couldn't understand where on earth God is when everything is falling apart for him and he took him to the next level. Wherever people are at in their faith, whether it's a crisis of faith, whether it's a crucible of faith, or whether it's a climax of faith, he takes them to the next level. You get a Pharisee who comes to him in the middle of the night and says, I know everything. I know the law inside out. I can teach you. And he says, well, you need to be born again. He means a blind man outside on the road and he gives him sight. He meets the same blind man in the temple and takes him to the next level and he says, go and sin no more. Wherever you are at, Jesus knows what the next step is and he takes you to the next step. What are, we and I, what are you and I supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? We are here to serve people, to find out where they're at and to take them to the next step. That's pretty much what it is. It's called discipleship. Find out where they are and take them to the next level. It's the most loving thing we can do for people. It's the most dear thing, event, good news thing, eternal thing we can do for people. 